0: going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam and Matt at it again. Another day, another jet loss. And uh, they just they just pile on and pile on. And it gets just uglier and uglier to watch. Uh, just just a really just kind of the game that you just have on in the background and mercifully watch when something even of the slightest interest comes about. Uh, at, at least speaking for myself, there was just much better football on uh, Sunday um, have a Monday night game that we'll talk about and uh, get into a little bit. Not really the biggest, uh, highest competitive game per se, but um, you never know with the NFL. Definitely a huge Sunday game with the Eagles and the 49ers blowout as the 49ers go into Philly and pounce on the all over the Eagles. Uh, so some football to get to. Definitely some new baseball news to get to. Some Juan Soto news or lack thereof. David Stearns, Carlos Mendoza spoke today and on the Mets front, among other things, a big fantasy matchup between McFeely and I that I'm sure he'll be uh, very happy to introduce. But introduce yourself first. Say hi. What's going on, Matt? How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. And yeah, you're right. Another week, another Jets loss. Uh, I want to give a shout out to
1: friend of the show, uh, Mr. Bobby, uh, for not being at that game and having the foresight to avoid that one because, yeah, it was ugly. There was so much better football on I, I couldn't even stand to watch a full quarter of it.
0: Yeah, it, it was even, even just, you know, having it on in the background and like, you know, I felt like I was, I say this all the time, but when I watch other games and other teams, it's like another sport, especially on offense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, same, same thing that we've gotten for multiple weeks now. And now, uh, the, the QB carousel, I guess, is, uh, at a halt because we don't know who's going to play quarterback next week and the, uh, the uh, the first o- the second overall pick Zach Wilson doesn't seem to want to play football for the Jets anymore.
0: Yeah, all reports saying today that he was quote unquote reluctant to take back the role of uh, starting quarterback for the Jets. And and you know Sala had had a press conference. Sala was on uh, the Michael K show speaking about it as well. Uh, I mean, my first question to you about that, I guess, and I guess this is where we'll start the Jet conversation is uh, like. How do we get to this point? Like, I know I actually how, but you got Rogers texting Wilson about, you know what, play kind of thing. Like, kind That's of the in his ear, apparently, and t- telling him to play. It's a comedy show. And, like, please just break it down, And I guess, in your sight of, like, you know, what the heck is going on here? Well, I mean, how we got here, we have
1: a ton of uh, archived episodes that lead all the way up to this, you know, miserable breaking point for the Jets. When it comes to Zach Wilson now, I I get that it's really easy for him to say, you know, I don't want to go out there and risk injury and blah, blah, blah. We know the real reason that he doesn't want to play, and that's because he feels like after, you know, sitting on the sidelines the last two weeks that he was proven right. But, I I mean, I don't feel that way. This is a guy who's been here for three years. Um, You know, to take exception to being benched at this point, I don't really understand it. Nothing was working. So, you know, everybody's unhappy now. Zach Wilson just kind of has to wait out the rest of his jet tenure, which should just really be a few more weeks. And uh, I, I like what Salah said most, if he doesn't want to be playing, then he shouldn't be here. And I agree with that. It's not even a knock on Zach Wilson. Um, I'm not even mad at him for not wanting to play because it's not like he's going to go out there and up his value or anything like that. The the entire season is just at a standstill. So whoever wants to get out there, we'll probably see some more Trevor Simeon. Um, but yeah, I, I think that a, Really, all I got from this is this should be the end of uh, Zach Wilson and the Jets.
0: It, and it definitely should be, and I agree. And I think that, you know, how about this? Talking about other games, we saw the Browns pick up Joe Flacco off the absolute scrap heap. Like, holy, Joe Flacco, just last week, was probably home doing what you and I were doing, watching football on his couch, you know, just, just doing nothing. And then a week later, he's in the NFL, and they didn't win the game. He didn't, you know, show any sort of like, oh my God, Joe Flacco's caught a second win, but he was a serviceable NFL quarterback on a, on a team that for the Browns, honestly, you you look at the Browns and they're very much built like the Jets, an amazing defense with a, a lackluster offense, you know, when Deshaun Watson's in there or any of their other, uh, they've had massive quarterback, uh, changes as well. But Look at their record. What do they have, seven wins? They're in the playoff hunts, realistically still. And at yeah. the least, the Browns can put up points. And with Joe Flacco yesterday, they put up points. And I think if you're a Jet fan, you're obviously watching the Jets was is every week is just painful, extra, extra painful. But then on top of that, you have to flip over to red zone or you know maybe if you, if you watch that Browns game and you saw them just kind of do exactly what Jet fans have been asking for. And again, they didn't win and it didn't work, but they put up points and they, they looked like a serviceable NFL team, which the Jets have failed to do time and time again. Yeah, they've probably only done that successfully once or twice. And Joe Flacco,
1: by the way, you know, another guy that was here, obviously, but an, that's another guy who wanted to be here this year that you didn't entertain for whatever
0: reason. And uh, no one, I don't think anyone really knows the reason, honestly. And, and you can't even, I would understand Part of me understands when people say, like, all right, well, the Jets didn't want to make a trade because they didn't want to have, you know, someone come in and, and, and you know, want to, people want them to take over and then have, you know, the this, this second Rodgers comes back next year and, and it gets under some sort of maybe uh, gets into some trouble or their record is kind of teetering or whatever. They didn't want to hear people start rooting for the backup. You know, I guess I could buy into that. But yeah, because, like, is that nothing more problem that. there, like think about how minor that problem sounds compared to all the problems we're
1: buried in right now.
0: Yeah, Well, yeah. I, I'm, I, look, I'm in no way saying that I want that to be the case. I'm just saying that at the least, Joe Flacco would have been much better than any of the options for the next or, or the last, what, four or five games or so, for sure. Yeah. And he yeah. showed it yesterday. and And I think that Uh, at a larger topic I think Aaron Rodgers you know sway on this team and his I guess his voice and how loud his voice is is getting a little concerning to me do you feel that way as well or or yeah and and I'll tell you why I, I think the reason for that is and I'm not
1: calling for anyone to really be fired or anything like that but I just think without having Aaron Rodgers at the helm right now you're going to go into this offseason essentially you know running it back you're not going to make you're not going to question Nathaniel Hackett yet you're not going to switch anything up and you know it's hard for me to believe that it's it's just the work of these three quarterbacks with the jets there's obviously systematic issues with the offense and you know my fear is now you're going to run this back and hope that it looks completely different with Rodgers you're going to hope it makes a complete 180 with Rodgers because that's the only choice you have you're not in a position now to to teach Aaron Rodgers a new offense. But let's let's get real. So yeah, that that is my concern with the sway that Aaron Rodgers has over the Jets is, I think you have you kind of have to run this
0: back and just put all your faith in Aaron Rodgers because you don't have a choice. Yeah, and and it looks like that's honestly it almost looks like Salah is or not looks like but sounds like when Sala speaks, it's almost like, you know, I don't care about this season. We're just we're gonna look at next season and it's like very it's like a like everything he says is almost like uh, like he he'll say like you know obviously we're we're not out of it till we're out of it if Rodgers comes back and we're out of it we don't want to obviously put him in any harm's way blah 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 like obviously he's not going to say that the season is done but I think the tenor and kind of looking back on everything that the Jets have been saying kind of they probably put their season to bed as soon as Rodgers got hurt and I don't think it's like a it might sound obvious, but, you know, they obviously for motivation reasons and, you know, obviously guys wanna are going to play the game, obviously. I'm not going to say guys, they would have held guys out from playing. But to me, they just sounded like they've been just like the walking dead this whole year.
1: Yeah, I think from a, a morale standpoint, this is as bad as it gets, regardless of record. Like this is as bad as I've seen, you know, at least in our backyard ever. I mean, Garrett Wilson is just demoralized. Um, no one's happy the head coach I mean like you said you know can't even really put on a brave face right now I I think from a standpoint of like morale and just worries I have about the locker room this is the worst I've ever seen and this is a team that maybe set the the bar uh, last year with all the Mike White shirts and all that nonsense
0: yeah and and honestly I would love to have Mike White right now (laughs) I really would and I'd I'd love to have a first down yeah. How about this? An offensive touchdown, maybe? No, is I'm that too much to ask not, for? You know. Well, I, Sorry, Rome I wasn't Rome, built in a day. Forgive me if if I'm pushing it, but yeah. yeah, just just really just just when you thought the the story of the Jets, uh, the, the Jets overall couldn't get any any kind of crazier. You get the your your failed draft pick quarterback that doesn't even want to play. For Who you doesn't anymore. want to play. Yeah, it's, that, it's that ridiculous. Is the, that is the cherry on top. So. Uh, 13 to eight final score yesterday uh two field goals and a safety uh as soon as the Falcons scored a touchdown uh the, I thought the game was obviously over as I feel <laughs> oftentimes with the Jets um yeah. uh, other than that you know just look get into some around the league Giants on well can we
1: get a uh, can we get a
0: Thomas Morstead stat line uh sure it was was he uh, I mean I've long said that he's the best player in the league He's, well, he's the best player on the Jets. No, I think he's the best player in the league. He—that's uh, what you
1: would think if you went to MetLife Stadium
0: and it was your first football game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he had seven punts, three hundred thirty-nine yards, uh, forty-eight, uh, forty-eight average yards per per punt, uh, and in and down them inside of twenty-three of those seven times.
1: Oh, gorgeous! And, and a long of fifty-eight. That's great. So there's your um, uh,
0: there's your pot, a podcast about New York sports official are these, uh, Thomas Morse said stat line. <laughs> who do these uh, Who do these Jets play next week? Uh, the Jets. Let's head to the Jets schedule. The Jets. Oh, I said this earlier today. I think in our group chat, but they are six point dogs at wow. home against the Texans. Get it now. Get it while yeah, you can. Yeah, because that that number might explode to ten. It really even. might. Yeah, so uh, just another going to be an ugly game, and then they get a, get they get the Dolphins the next week, and then maybe they beat the Commanders. Well, at the very least, at least next week, like I'll probably watch the Jet game for the Texans, though.
1: Yeah, I, I, it'll be fun because I really never get to see the Texans, so to actually be able
0: to sit there and watch CJ Stroud a little, that might be nice. I pro- I might uh, entertain entertain going to that uh, Texans vehicle. I would be interested in entertaining it as well, but you you
1: have to be coming up on like, like this will be your third jet game this
0: year. Like this Jets team, that that's that's a little that's a little much. Um, I believe I believe more. Four I was at I I was at the Bills game. I was oh, you were at, you're at the, the Monday Night
1: Chargers. That's the one I forgot about.
0: Bills, Chiefs, Chargers, Dolphins, and. Th- it's, this would be my fifth. I need to get a grip. <laughs> should have just gotten season tickets. I need to get a grip, honestly. Uh, that's yeah. what I need to get. Um, uh, but, yeah, Jets fall, uh, you know, obviously not uh, mathematically eliminated, but morally eliminated from playoff contention uh, long ago, as a matter of fact. But um, other than that, you know, don't need to get to every single game around the league, but I'll, I'll get to the notable ones. Patriots, Chargers, 6 uh, nothing final. That was a pick yeah. of mine,
1: and I got him at minus
0: five and a half. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's let's get to our picks before we go around the league because we have some rim hanging to do. We are still in a deadlock tie. You hit both of your picks. Uh, you again. You have the Chargers minus five and a half. That they win six nothing. I mean, come yeah, on, now. that was crazy. You shouldn't get points for that, in my opinion. No, I I, I think it was a no sweat. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, they the, the Patriots just couldn't get to the thirty yard line the entire game. didn't yeah. take a field goal. So yeah. uh that was good. Um, and then your other pick, an, another no sweat, 45-10, uh 45-15, excuse me. Dolphins, you had them what, minus nine and a half. I said I was skeptical. Of the Dolphins going to Washington. Washington's a joke. They put up 45 in in a, in a blink of an eye. Tyreek Hill, baby. Yeah, and uh he, it was really never a game, but you know, aside from Usher's rim hanging on the entire season like we have been, you um you have still have the better record than me and I believe you're up by one point still I think we we both gained three points this week so you fall at uh 17 8 and 1 with 28 points to my 17 and 10 yes 17 and 10 also with 28 points but I have to hang on the rim for and I never do this and I never thought I would do this because I love Patrick Mahomes I love the Chiefs I love Andy Reid Isaiah Pacheco, Rutgers guy, root for him. What a Packers pick by me. What yeah. a pick. I mean, that game was I, – I was all over it. I said I liked what I saw out of the Packers trending up. They're, they are still very much in uh, playoff contention there in the NFC. Uh, it, it was a, a huge game. It seemed like a classic Lambo game. And I, I don't want to talk about, you know, too much – Packers uh you know future and Packers season but a joy of love might be good
1: yeah I get that I get that same feeling and yeah that, that was a good pick by you that was a great pick that was the um I think that was the largest margin of an underdog victory this year but did you like my rebuttal to your comment yesterday when I said you can have the rim when my arms get tired Yes,
0: I did. That yeah. was good. Yeah. We,
1: I mean, as a whole, we're just, we're just, we are, yeah, we are Las Vegas. That's, well, that's what the podcast is now. It's become well, we're, Las Vegas. We've we're we're Las Vegas'
0: biggest fear. Yeah. They yeah. fear us. A penis. They fear us. That should be our yes, slogan. Um, the, and then our guest pick, 49ers minus three. Again, ultimately in no sweat. Let's, let's talk about that game a little bit because that was obviously the biggest game of the day, biggest game of the slate. Um, what did you think about the Eagles what what did you think about the 49ers I mean 40 42 points in Philly was it a product of just the Eagles being tired after playing you know three games in 13 days or are the 49ers just a juggernaut
1: yeah well not only you know those three games but it feels like every game the Eagles play is a tough one like every single game is a marathon Um, but I don't know this is kind of I guess we still don't really know what we think about 49ers versus Eagles because it has to be closer than this. But, I mean, it is interesting to look back and you see Debo Samuel saying, you know, we thought if we played them with Brock Purdy, we didn't think it would be close. And then, you know, they play each other. They have their quarterback back. Debo goes for three touchdowns, uh, much to my chagrin. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I still don't really know what I think about these teams, you know, just head up. And I'd
0: love to see them in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and you get another, you, you mentioned the Eagles having uh, a tough schedule and, and a tough like stretch of games. They have the Cowboys Sunday night football in Dallas uh, this week, and that's going to be a game for first place in the NFC East. So we could find a, a place where the Eagles, if they lose that game, they're going to, they're gonna not gonna be having a buy. They're gonna be. It's gonna go through Dallas if they lose that game, and that's a uh, as of then. At, you know, at the result of the game. Obviously, there's still more football to be played, but you know, for for the sake of the tiebreakers and the sake of just the the amount of games that they have left. Uh, the the actually, I'm sorry. The the Eagles already beat the Cowboys, so they would need to. I'd have to look deeper into their record, but it would still, they would, if the Cowboys win that game, they'd still have the same record as the Eagles. And then, I don't know, I guess in division wins. Um, I would assume that the Eagles have them there. So maybe the Eagles still would be in first place, but they'd be. Yeah, but we're still talking about, eggshells. you know, them being tied,
1: which is yeah.
0: crazy. Yeah. You know, proverbially tied, but a tie there is how did, do you know how the NFL would even deal with, I guess, Wow, imagine if they had they finished with the same record but the tiebreaker brings the 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 Eagles to the 1 seed and the Cowboys to 5 seed or 4 seed. Imagine that? Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would be a rough shake, but um yeah, uh you know, a couple other notable scores yesterday. Um the Steelers for, for the AFC uh lose Kenny Pickett for the game. Also going to be out Thursday night. Uh, so probably the Steelers might be yeah, a blessing two games. for Steeler fans all around mm-hmm. the world. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Mitchell Trubisky didn't show any promise yesterday. I'll tell no. you that. No. Um, and then other than that, Texans beat the Broncos. Uh, yeah, almost, that was a good game. I thought uh,
1: Russell Wilson in this spot here threw probably the worst interception he's ever thrown into the opposing team's end zone. He had
0: a bad game. Yeah. He did one touchdown, three interceptions, 186 yards passing. Um, CJ Stroud, again, I'm very impressed by him. Although yesterday I thought that there there were times where. They would get into the red zone and have trouble. Yeah. And and there was, they, they lose tank Dell for the season on a a, kind of like a freak sort of play where he, I believe he fractured his fibula, um, which uh, I don't, don't suggest going back to watch that, but that's a huge loss for them. He was a big rookie. Um, showing good rookie promise there, uh, and but I you know I think the Texans they get to seven and five. Um, they're they're I think they're on the outside looking in right now, but yeah, you have the the Steelers, the Browns, the Colts, and the Texans all with seven wins. Yeah, and we're looking at the Texans. I mean, very likely getting to eight and five next week. Yeah, and the Texans of those four teams. Yeah, exact. Good point. And then the Texans of those four teams alone have way better of a quarterback than everyone else. Yeah. Leaves yep. and bounds. Um, so actually, if you're the Texans, this is a huge game for you tonight. You're, you're rooting for the Bengals hard tonight. If you're the, if you're the Texans. I'm trying because, to decide if I'm watching this one. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird one, but I mean, for the sake of, if the, if the Jaguars fall to eight and four, if they lose, um, then that would, that would make the, the, I guess the Texans or the Colts really still viable to win the AFC South.
1: It would yeah. only be
0: still one game where it is right now. But uh, again, if the if the Jaguars win tonight, which again I think they're like ten point favorites or so without obviously without Joe Burrow. But um, if the, if the Jaguars win tonight, they'll be pretty firmly in the uh in in you know nine and three, and they'll be pretty much have punched their ticket to the playoffs with nine wins. I think nine wins, pretty much – 9-10 wins, will get you in in the AFC. Yeah. Yeah. And when you talk about the Colts at seven and five, how about that surprising just
1: juggernaut of a game? We got Uh, the Colts 31 over the Titans 28 in overtime.
0: Crazy. And, you know, I, I, the, the end of that game was nuts. The, you know, they, they go to overtime and and they, they throw a a 55 yard or 50 plus yard bomb uh, to Alec Pierce And then they maybe one or two plays later they score the touchdown of Pittman in the end zone. Some Minshew magic to a T. And I thought the game honestly. Derrick Henry gets hurt, and and, you know Tajay Spears came in that game to kind of to to fill in. But just the presence of Derrick Henry and kind of the what he does to a defensive line and kind of just churning out yards and churning out you know inch by inch there by by just being how how massive of a human he is. I feel like definitely showed there when as soon as he got hurt that not only the team morale in the Titans but I thought the it kind of injected life into the other uh, into the Colts as well.
1: Yeah, uh, but unfortunately, he he does he does wait to get hurt until I am tucked in.
0: Yeah, our uh, our our fan. I wasn't going to bring it up, but our fantasy matchup uh, definitely. Derek Henry, thank you very much. Definitely did your job. He he got. I think he realized that you know, I was, I was securely in the lead of our game and, you know, in the kind of in the driver's seat, just cruising. And he just said, you know what? I'm good. Sam, Sam's good. Yeah. yeah. Didn't need um, any more. Yeah. I had battled for sure. Yeah. Do you want to, you want to enlighten the listeners on your one of your uh, one of your most remarkable performances to date? I had a couple. Still. Yeah. Uh,
1: so the Texans obviously offensive juggernaut Um, Noah Brown, the last two times he played 20 plus points, I slot him in. He was dangerous with a whopping 0.0. 0. Uh, but don't worry. I did have a uh, commander's wide receiver one, Terry McLaurin out there. Also a really, a very dangerous performance, a tremendous 0. 0.0 and a post-game interview where he said he's getting, he just, he's doing great cardio out there. That's the state of my fantasy team. Everything looks good. And uh, I'm probably in a win and in situation going into our final week here.
0: Yeah, I mean those guys, uh, Team McFeely MVPs for sure. Uh, uh, Joe Mixon though tonight. So if Joe Mixon goes for a sixty bomb, you'll be in business.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm so, I'm, not, I'm waiting on it, and you're not yeah. ready for it.
0: So I, I, I'm definitely not ready for it. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely I, I clinch in our fantasy league. Um, the the only team that that clinched in the NFL this week was the the Panthers losing. I believe clinched them no playoffs. They are officially mathematically eliminated um but uh still a lot of football to be played again big big game tonight i think for i think i've become like a closet texans fan so i I think part of me is rooting for the Bengals tonight yeah i am too Uh,
1: i'm i'm I'm, I'm not even a closet texans fan like that's my that's my team down the stretch
0: here got it yeah i usually pick the seahawks That's that's usually my team my, you know, my, my second favorite team, but again, no Russell Wilson there. So was, was yesterday like the game, like were
1: they battling for like your fandom down the stretch? Who? Broncos and
0: Texans. No, not really. I, I was, I'm still, I think I, I'd like the, I was on the outside looking in with the Broncos. Let's put it that way. I didn't like, I thought they were a little fluky. They got a nice couple wins with the bills. I thought the bills kind of lost that game for themselves. I don't know. I think uh, I I think I was on the Texans regardless. Yeah, I'm with you. But uh, any other um, any other notes around the league or anything you want to get to before we head over to, I guess, let's we can hop over to, to basketball real quick if you want. Yeah, let's do that. So the, the Knicks, they find themselves, well, I guess the entire league, they find themselves back with the in-season tournament. They're in the quarterfinals, Elite Eight, if that simplifies it for you. Um, the Celtics play the Pacers tonight, and then the Pelicans play the Kings tonight as well, followed up by tomorrow night. The Knicks play the Bucs, and the Suns play the Lakers. Again, quarterfinals, uh, Elite Eight, if you want to think of it that way. Um, Julius Randle, voted player of the week. After all the you know the scrutiny that he's gotten all year, after all of the the clips that have came out of him not trying on defense, not doing this, which, again, not saying it doesn't happen. But all I'm saying is if if you're the Knicks you know you watch them and their defense is flying around guys are are you know vibing off each other the the Villanova boys it seems like every other night one of them makes a huge impact i I think I'm safe safe to say that the Knicks are and have become a very fun team to watch yeah I think we knew that's what they were going to be coming in though sure I mean the but that's the thing like the problem with New York teams is Or Maybe it's just because I'm a fan of these New York teams, but I have these expectations for them. But this is for the first time in a long time that, you know, I've gone into a season saying something and then it's actually been played out in front of me. And I think that it's they're just getting better and better, too. Like you wouldn't say that the Jets met your expectations this year. Yeah, actually, they've actually exceeded them in the the (laughs) opposite way. (laughs) how many laughs can i get out of jets i think my over under would have been like one per game i get like five per game so exceeded expectations there yeah um but yeah you know the knicks you think what you want about the in-season tournament i've been on record saying that i feel like at the least it gets guys to at least play hard let's see what what comes up tonight because i have a feeling that you know these two teams or these two games tonight this Celtics-Pacers matchup is a, is a great game if you're a basketball fan, two very talented teams. And, it's, you know, I, I really think that all the teams involved are legitimately good teams. Like, I, what I'm trying to say by that, it might sound very silly, but, like, it would be one thing – it would be something if, you know, the teams that were left were the shit teams in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like, maybe the teams that don't really care about anything else other than this. But I think these are actually the, some of the better teams in the NBA right now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Celtics Pacers seems like a nice appetizer to Monday Night Football, if you're interested.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Celtics Pacers, that's on TNT 730. I definitely suggest watching that uh, or, or honestly, if you're listening to this, you probably already have watched that. But I guess for anyone that may, may be an immediate listener of this, uh, definitely tune into that. And then definitely tomorrow night, tune into the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks are four and a half point underdogs. Um Again, the Bucs are are definitely uh a I don't want to say a juggernaut, but I think the Knicks can definitely hang with them. You know, last year I think this game would have been a a much bigger line. And I think that the Knicks are definitely way more formidable this year uh than than they were last. And all you can really ask for is progress from the Knicks. So yeah, um, I was good say, to say I'm there. kind of impressed with that line on the road. Well, the the problem with the Bucs, and I'm not gonna get into too much X's and O's of basketball, but The problem with them, and it's not—I'm not. This makes me sound like I'm I'm a Dame Lillard hater or something, but they bring in Damian Lillard, who again is an absolute stud. uh, You know, one of the best point guards in our lifetime, I would even argue, and uh, one of the most elite scorers of our lifetime for sure. The problem with that is the Bucks' identity prior to getting Damian Lillard was defense, and now they're—they've just gone a full 180 and said yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get our defense eventually, but for right now, let's just score a lot of points and let's just play offense. So they've, they're kind of in like a, a weird place where I think they're, they're talented enough to figure it out. I'm not concerned about them whatsoever in terms of, you know, regular season, but when you get into series and you get into, you know, playoff talk, it'll be interesting to see where this team kind of sits in terms of the offensive juggernaut or the defensive juggernaut that they have been in the past. So Uh, definitely, definitely uh, the Knicks can definitely hang with them for sure. I think, I think it's a fair line. Um, anything else on the Knicks front, uh, or any sort of basketball notes to get to before we head over to sport number two? No, yeah, not really, but
1: we've been arguing so much about baseball recently privately that, you know, kind of be a sin if we didn't bring it to the
0: show a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, again, winter meetings still going on there. Uh, David Stern, we'll, we'll start with the Mets. Uh, obviously we'll get to some Juan Soto talk, nothing really kind of, everything kind of stalled there on the Yankee front for now, but definitely some, some takes there that I've heard and definitely want to discuss, but for the Mets, uh, David Stern, Carlos Mendoza meet with the media today and they've had a, they've had a couple different, uh, notable quotes. First and foremost, um, the, uh, Mets and David Stearns have confirmed that Edwin Diaz is fully healthy as of right now, um, obviously huge. We saw what no Diaz did to the Mets last year. And I think that having him having it known that he's healthy right now, where you're not even, you haven't even thought about, uh, you know, spring training or anything is definitely a good sign going into the season for the Mets for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I, it's kind
1: of uh, almost a blessing that the Mets tanked as hard as they did because they kind of would have been a shame to see, you know, the Mets rush Edwin Diaz out there for December for September so you know, full off season, uh, get him you know two hundred percent. He's you could argue he's the most important player on the Mets.
0: Oh, definitely, and I think that he has a case to a very presentable case uh, at the least from last year that where they don't have Edwin Diaz and their entire team pretty much falls apart. Um, so yeah, you know, he, I I think for sure he's the most important guy in the Mets. Yeah, he so having a great closer.
1: It, it, it's crazy what it does just to thicken the depth of your bullpen. Because just like to look at the Mets just scramble to get to the ninth inning when all they had was David Robertson, like, and you think like, man, it would have been great if we could have just had David Robertson, seventh inning, eighth inning, but like, you had to close with him every night and you lost so many games because of that.
0: Yeah. And, and it, you know, I, I liken it back to what the Yankees would say about Mariano Rivera, where, you know, or I'll actually make it a more recent uh, comparison. We talk about the tush push in football, right? Where for the Eagles, they start every, day, every uh, set of downs first and nine, essentially, because they that one yard with the tush push is almost a guarantee. For the Mets and the Yankees with Mar- Marion Rivera, they have eight inning games where other teams have nine inning games, and it is such an advantage. Yeah. Is that a good comparison? Is that fair to, to yeah, bring yeah. up? So I think that you're right. And and again, going into the season with him, no World Baseball Classic. You can obviously, you know, I think a lot of reports have said that the Mets were totally thrown off by the World Baseball Classic and the rules. And obviously Diaz being hurt in the World Baseball Classic. But you're going to go into a season where, again, the Mets have said that they're not looking to compete this year. But in terms of player growth, in terms of, you know, just just seeing what you got sort of. I think it, the Mets are in a good place.
1: Imagine there was another World uh, Baseball Classic this year, and Edwin Diaz was like, "I got to get out there." Yeah, I got to that, go. That's what. Go D. That's D. how so. dumb
0: Aaron Rodgers' return would be. Yeah. Wow. Great. We went. We went football, baseball comps back to back. That was fire. Um yeah, yeah. And I agree. That's exactly what it would be like. Uh, <laughs> uh, other met notes. Uh, David Stern said that. Uh, the Mets are could still be looking uh, to the free agent trade market for uh, an outfielder also can use one more starter, possibly more than one. And then uh, kind of interesting, uh, a little couple notes that he said as well. Uh, I, I want to get some of your thoughts on this, but the first thing he said that I thought was interesting was um, he, he was asked about Luis Severino. And he said that uh, before they even hired Mendoza to be the manager uh, that they You know, they already had Luis Severino on their, uh, you know, kind of in their scope. And they said that, you know, guys who have proven that they can play in New York is already that's already factored into the equation. And they definitely do factor that into their equation. And, you know, we've seen people, you know, not flame out with the Yankees, but kind of falter when they they put on the pinstripes. How important is that to you with, with Mets and guys that they bring in? And do you really even think about that with the Mets? do I think about what exactly sorry like how how like the ability to play under you know quote unquote New York pressure oh I
1: I think you have to um because I think whether it's the Mets or whether it's the Yankees I feel like there's been so many examples now where it's sort of something that you have to believe in like I feel like we go back seven years or so and we would kind of discuss the playing in New York thing like is that real like do we really care about that? And now I feel like after the examples that we've seen, I'm not going to pick on anyone, but it's it's just like now we just take for granted that that's a real thing that you have to be on the lookout for. I think even you could argue the Yankees front office made that realization the same time that we did and started to take things like that into account.
0: Yeah. And I think it, start, it started with the, the Sonny Grays and the um, uh, Joey Gallas of the world. But I, I think Maybe the Mets, and we we joke about the Mets hiring or you know bringing in the former Yankees in the past, but I feel like every one of these former Yankees that they bring in they are able to play in New York. Yeah, maybe that that was maybe like that was probably my second
1: like reaction to Luis Severino was like, I've seen him be good before and I know he can play here.
0: Yeah, and and so that leads me to my next question to me, when they say, uh, you know. We we want guys that have proven they can play in New York, and we're also looking for a starter. I mean, that screams Jordan Montgomery to me, no?
1: And I, I wouldn't mind that one
0: bit. And I think it would be a guy who's going to shove
1: and be a sure thing and be maybe my third best starter. You know, best case, he could be my two, probably.
0: I mean, would you – would if the Mets offseason was Yamamoto, or the big splashes, we'll say, Yamamoto, Montgomery – and then let's just say some average outfielder to play uh, left field. What, what yeah, would, I, would I think you at be- that point you're happy because,
1: you know, Jordan Montgomery is always a good signing. Yamamoto is a long-term option. And, you know, they, they obviously do need to plug in an outfielder. You still have Starling Marte this year who was banged up all season. So it's kind of a mixed bag. You don't know what you're going to get from him. But um, I I just think the Mets saying that, yeah, we are looking to kind of plug all these holes, you know, we don't want to go into the season uh, as presently constituted by any stretch. Uh, I think that's an exciting thing because the Mets have a chance to at least uh, be fun, be engaging. I don't think they're going to do anything crazy this season, but uh, yeah, I think that was
0: encouraging to hear. So, so last question I'll ask about the Mets here, unless you had anything else you wanted to ask me, but if, Give me on a scale of one to ten and how, you know, satisfied you'd be if the the three signings this offseason were Yamamoto, Montgomery, and let's just say, because only because the Yankees have been rumored to uh, be talking to him, were either Kevin Kiermaier or Michael Taylor for the outfield. One to ten, how happy would you be with that?
1: Yeah, I I think that if you guaranteed me Yamamoto, I would take that up front. And I think the rest of that is, uh, you know, kind of icing on the cake. So. Cause I didn't know what to expect going into this off season.
0: Yeah. And we've already spoke about how, uh, you know, the Mets have said, and maybe not to the, much of their, their fans delight that this year would be more so a, a reinvestment year or, you know, a kind of just figure out who, who's who kind of year and not, maybe not necessarily compete per se. Obviously they're not gonna, there's no, there's no uh, reward for lack of competition. Like there is in other sports like the NFL or the NBA in terms of tanking, but. I think that if you're the Mets, and I've said this about Yamamoto, you can take this year and realize that, you know, the Mets expectations are not high. And that's sometimes that just takes all the pressure off guys. Yeah. So uh, I think the Mets are definitely in a good spot. Um, And then I guess the last thing, and this, I guess, how transition over to the Yankees, but David Stearns also made it a point to say that he believes that um, just like last year with Aaron judge, that, Yamamoto and Otani not signing yet is kind of holding up the rest of the market. And I think it's obvious that that happens every year, but let me pose this question to you. If you're the Yankees and, you know, starting to kind of think along the lines of Juan Soto, you kind of want to make this a deal for Soto before Yamamoto and Otani sign, because wouldn't that lend you to believe that teams that miss, like, let's just say the Blue Jays, right? The Blue Jays, if they don't get Uh, otani or yamamoto i i would think that they pick up the phone and call the padres and see what the price is on soto no yeah and i think they already have Uh, but i'm saying would it would it reignite those and almost change the tone of like all right well we we struck out on our first option of otani what let's really try and get soto and not have to get to our third option yeah 100 and we we know for a fact that you know
1: the top pieces do dictate the rest of the market. We we've seen it time and time again.
0: Yeah, and and I think it's again it's it's constant. Uh, it's year and year out. It's, I mean, maybe not to the the uh, exact size of guys like Judge and Otani in terms of talent, but every year we do wait for the the big fish to come off the board first for sure. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised about it this year because I I
1: definitely thought Yamamoto was going to dictate the pitching market, but you know, Otani being what he is and what he's going to get paid, which is going to be record setting, you know, I feel like there's not many teams who can realistically look at Otani and consider that as an option. So it it is funny to me that it still sort of uh, just slows down the rest of the entire operation.
0: Yeah, like, I I kind of, I understand what you're saying. Like, to me, I kind of feel like the like if you again you're right if you're in on Otani like it's not really a secret and it's kind of got to be you know your plan 1A like there's no there's no like eh, I kind of want Otani. Right. Like why you would know? that like,
1: stop the Rockies from like getting busy, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, no, I, I I agree, but I think it's more I think it's more of the um just like the the general optic of of maybe the agent side of things.
1: Right. I mean, I guess you could be sitting there saying Otani's oh, going to get 500 million dollars uh, we're gonna let him reset the market before we even talk to anyone.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. Uh, some of that going on, but uh, you know, more specific for the Yankees and, and getting back to the Soto of it all. I, you know, I've heard listen to some podcasts, listen to John Boy talk a little bit about uh, you know, the situation and kind of what the Padres have been uh, you know, interested in. It's a big package they're they're asking for, it. and I think that you know it's one of those things where when you, you know, whenever you're negotiating a trade, you and I negotiate fantasy trades all the time. It would be very silly to start any negotiation with what, you know, the the deal actually is, right? So talking from the Padres point of view here, obviously they're going to ask for a huge package at first. Obviously they're going to ask you for, you know, the moon and the stars for their, probably their best player on their team. To me, like I saw a lot of Yankee fans that were kind of like, oh my God, like if that's, if that's the if if Mike King, Clark Schmidt and and four other prospects is their price, I don't want to pay that. That's the initial offer. Like this is all just leveraging each other now. Well, like, I think people well, are freaking but, out about that. Sure, but the, the thing is, if,
1: if there's another team who, let's say that they look at they they have the the Yankees package that you just mentioned, their equivalent of that. If there's another team who has no problem kind of parting with that, and that's not to say that. You know, every team does have the talent of the Yankees that, you know, the that the Padres are asking them to dangle. That's not what I'm saying. But if there's other teams who who are just a little less cautious than you, it's going to get done somewhere else. So, like, you know, kind of sitting there and being like, well, it's just the first offer. Let's keep I think there's going to be a desperate team out there who just wants to make a splash
0: and you hope it's not the Blue Jays. And you hope, but well, that's, that's kind of what I was saying about, you know, the the Otani signing and whatnot. Like ideally I think the Yankees should try and get at least a framework of a deal agreed to, or, you know, somewhat agreed to before all that happens because I think you're going to, you just increase the chances that a team gets desperate and you're right. Like a team that is desperate that can make a, a package comparable to the one they asked for. Obviously the Padres are going to do their due diligence and, and ask around it's you know, I've, that just is in the best interest for them and Soto in, as a whole. But I, I think the general perception of it, and, and, you know, this is just reading between the lines, uh, just seeing what other other people and different reporters have said. I think uh, maybe this is just me being in, you know, the New York area and following mainly New York reporters, but the general, you know, perception of what the Padres asked was astronomically high. And I think that to to at the end of the day, he is a rental and, uh, you know, to ask for Mike King, who is, I is—I—I really am starting to become the side of, you know, I really would not want to trade Mike. King. Right. So where, I,
1: where did that change for you? Because if, if you just go back to our last episode, you kind of looked at that package and said, you know, get it done.
0: Well, my, in the last episode, I, I brought up the fact of, you know, one or the other, and I think I'm still okay with that where like, I wouldn't want them to take Clark and Mike King. I want them to take Clark or Mike King. But I think part of me is almost like, all right, I want to build this around Clark, uh, around Clark, keep Mike King because he's just such a weapon. Uh, again, I, I think it's silly to, I'll say all that, in, you know, in, in terms of finalizing a trade, if if Mike King is the, the stopping point and you have everything else laid out for it, and they're looking for one more, you know, MLB ready arm, and that's the guy you're holding back from getting Juan Soto. You do it, right? Like, I don't want to say that that Mike King is any talks of Mike King should be immediately shut down, but I think that the Yankees can still get a package done for again, like a Clark Schmidt plus prospects, and they have plenty of shortstop prospects, plenty of uh, arms that that are they're interested in. They there were rumors that the Padres are asking for, you know, uh. Johnny Brito, uh Vasquez, uh guys like you know, Luis Heel, guys like that, who really for the Yankees are kind of like their six through eight starters going into the year projected to be. And you know, not only can the Yankees not afford that, or they shouldn't do that from terms of just value-wise, but in terms of like team construction, I mean, let me ask you this for the Mets. Would you give up any three of your? Top eight starters going into the year for a rental, just at at a baseline. If I'm the Mets, absolutely not. That's I mean that's but the Yankees are are very thin at pitching to begin with, so to kind of they ask for three four pitchers in return, like the Yankees almost like can't do that. Yeah, I, I agree. So it's it's a tough spot. But again, all this considering, I think the general perception of of what the Padres were asking for was just like hey, you know, this is our first offer. Let's just start here. Yeah, I, I guess so. so. But I still again, would
1: just be worried that another team doesn't mind paying that. Because and, and, you just, like, you just tried to do with the Yankees. You just have to weigh, are we going to be considerably better after we do this? And you know, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I feel like the answer in the Yankees' case there is probably no. I think it's just, it's, it, it is an insane ask for a rental. Uh,
0: but do the Blue Jays look at that and say, we're just one more slugger away? Uh, they might. Yeah, they they, they very, well, very well might. But again, I think that – I think if the Yankees – the problem with the Yankees fans is that they, they kind of are very short-sighted in the sense of like, you know, they, they see Juan Soto's name pop up in their Twitter feed and that the, the Padres are offering trades. And it's almost like the blank check theory with people where – the Yankee yeah. fans just don't understand that you can't just give people blank checks.
1: Yeah, and then and they don't really think about depth either. Like the way, like what we just talked about, kind of decimating your pitching staff. A Yankee fan just goes,
0: "That's Juan Soto. We're
1: gonna be nasty if we get Juan Soto."
0: Yeah, exactly. And they and you you can you bring him in, obviously with the hopes of re-signing him. Not gonna the Yankees are the Yankees would be on paper would be trading for rental, but. I think in their mind, and this is—I guess—is this is kind of what I was getting on our last uh, kind of conversation about this. But you know, the, you don't trade for someone and, and acknowledge that he's a rental. You trade for someone of Juan Soto's elk, and you just hope that he loves where he is. And well, the I think you have to do acknowledge that is it, though. Would you say
1: you have to acknowledge
0: it though? Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, of course. Like
1: you, because it have is to- a high, high, high risk. If we're talking about the package that we are right now, and we were talking about Volpe in the past, if we're talking about deals like that, and you don't wind up retaining him, which could, it very well could be the case, you know, I get how important an audition can be and all that stuff and to kind of get him familiarized. But if at the end of the day, there's some insane offer, you just kind of dug a hole for yourself for no reason. So the risk is so high that I feel like you not only have to acknowledge it,
0: it kind of has to it kind of dictates everything. Yeah. You look, it's hard to argue because you're at the end of the day, you're, you're right. But I just think that the, for the Yankees as a whole, I mean, if you, if you kind of take a step back and look at like the, the macro of the Yankees right now, the obviously they're, they're, I don't say their biggest problem per se, but you know, their roster construction with uh, only, you know, John Carlos Stanton's immovable contract that has, has kind of become, look, we we like Stanton in the postseason, but for what we pay him, for what the Yankees pay him every year and for, you know, what they've gotten from him, it's kind of been a, been an uphill battle as to, in terms of, you know, reaching, uh, equaling the value of what Stanton is. And and I think in, in their truth of truths, if there was a little bit of different contract stipulations, they probably would be looking to trade Stanton. So what I'm trying to get at is, if, if you bring in Soto, let's just say, let's just say you make a, a trade for Soto, you know, Mike, let's say it's Mike King, Clark Schmidt, uh, and then maybe like a shortstop prospect and an arm, a, you know, a much deeper uh, depth arm. Sure. You make that trade, give up some prospects, give up two arms for this year. Even if Soto walks next year and, and has wants nothing to do with the Yankees, you, you find yourself in a spot where, you know, you, you don't have to worry about not worry about, but you don't have to pay Soto that money. You probably are at a point at the end of the season where you could move Stanton's money, and that could just open up the the, the cap space for another huge free agent signing that is not Juan Soto. Yeah, it could. Um, so, that, I mean, that's my 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 stance on it the whole time. That yes, in theory, uh, it would be a nightmare if you you mortgage a lot of future assets for Juan Soto. But if he walks at the end of the year, you don't have to worry about his money, and then you could move Stanton off. Kind of get some of Stanton's money off your books and kind of free yourself of that contract. You, I, I think the it wouldn't be as much of a nightmare scenario as people are paying it out to be. Well, how about this? What can the Yankees do if you know,
1: because obviously we don't think Otani's coming here, but the two biggest names out there, uh, you know, Otani and Juan Soto via trade, what can they do if both of those fall through to still appease the fan base? Because you know, the year they didn't get Otani in the Yankees, like you said, truth to truth, you know, that was a fallback from not getting Otani. They trade for Stanton. And like you just said, you know, it's been an uphill battle uh, with Stanton just in terms of his value and uh, what he brings to the table in the regular season availability. So this is, this could be another scenario where you're going, I really don't think we're going to go the Otani route. It's just, it's too, it's too absurd. And what do we tell our fans? if We don't do that. We, we have to get Soto. So we have to over mortgage for Soto now. So if, if they just steered clear, both of those guys, or not even steered clear, came up short, what can they still do to just appease the Yankee fan base as a whole?
0: Because I think it's, you know, it might be the most demanding fan base in North America. Well, I think that there's definitely still some, some very viable options. Like you said, you know, Otani and Soto, obviously, and Yamamoto, obviously the bigger names. And all, all signs point to that the Yankees are still very, very much, In the Yamamoto sweepstakes, even amidst all the Soto talk and whatnot. So, that again, I think it is very, very possible that the Yankees end up with Yamamoto. I I said officially on here that my guess would be the Mets just because of the Senga ties and whatnot. But I I still think that's possible. So, that's one. And I think that that would, if they don't get Soto and they bring in Yamamoto and he's, you know, he he ends up being the stud, you know, two pitcher behind Garrett Cole for the next six years or whatever, obviously Yankee fans would forget Juan Soto ever existed. But I think there's other moves that the Yankees could do, like you know uh, the there there's still the bellingers of the world, there's still teams like uh you know the Brewers could they be shopping like a willie Adams? could the uh the Rays already have said they've been shopping Tyler Glass now, you know, think what you want about uh about you know trading with the Rays but i, I is think any of that-, that exciting enough to the Yankee fan though, because they definitely do they do fan service, they do well yes and and i mean they definitely do but at the end of the day if you're brian cashman and and you're just the yankees you know brass you can't really let that be a factor i think i would agree i just i think that they do i mean they they definitely do but i i you know it's a tough spot It, it is and i think that not only do do guys like or guys when I say guys I mean like the Yankees front office but not only do they they un- I feel like they definitely understand that that's going on but I don't feel like I've ever had a, a case where they've ever really given into that you know I guess so I, I just felt like my example was the Stanton here sure I mean sure but I think the the, the argument with the Stanton thing that we've brought up in the past I believe is you know that just was the move like Soto is the move this off season, but I think the the Yankees. Uh, let me let me. I'll I'll uh, I'll rebut what you just said. You know, the the last time the Yankees, you can argue the Yankees, quote unquote, gave in when they traded for Stanton. How's that worked out for them? And that's I think what Brian Cashman would say. Well, that's what I'm saying, that's kind of why I'm I'm saying that I don't know
1: that Soto is, you know, maybe the most viable option, and I'm almost afraid the Yankees are going to overpay. Yeah,
0: uh, it's. But I think that the, the problem with not really even a problem, but in terms of the Yankees overpaying for Soto, I, I think that, you know, the Yankee fans would be oh, like the, the, you'd be you be talking when you say overpay. You know, you're pay, you're talking about guys that either have, have barely sniffed the big leagues or are, are just on the precipice of the big leagues. And I think that unless those guys, you know, it's going to take those guys another three, four years to even be you know relevant in the MLB. Most likely, I feel like even if you overpay, yeah, it might irk some Yankee fans that are really deep in it and really understand like who these guys are. But you know, for this year, I don't think you hear a peep if they overpaid. All right. So, uh, uh, but again, there's definitely some other moves to be made. Um, uh, you know, hopefully we'll we'll get some more more news by uh, you know, whenever we record our next episode, probably Friday or so. But, um. Anything else on the Yankees, Mets, or any of the uh, hot stoves front? Oh, I'm sorry. You failed to mention uh, Met legend Jared uh, Kelnick getting traded to the Braves. Oh, yeah, good for him. He's going to win a Silver Slugger. Silver Slugger, MVP, World Series ring, loading. Yeah, that'll for, uh, be uh, down the Kelnick. road.
1: It's going to start with the Silver Slugger, a batting title down the road.
0: He's going to beat P. Alonzo in the Home Run Derby this year. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> going to be, be the dagger. That would be so funny. Uh <laughs> I would believe it's some sort of scripting if that was the case. But, um, all right, uh, if nothing else, I-, I wish you the best of luck in our matchup tonight. <laughs> if, <laughs> at the least. No no. I- I'm, I've, you know what? I might be a nice guy. I might just bench my tight end just to give you a chance. You should do that. I think, would that, would that send ripples through the league? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, because it's more of like a cocky play than it is,
1: like, it's not like a lazy one.
0: well the what used to happen in our league was it was i mean i feel like it happens in all leagues but if you're up two points and you have one guy to play do you do you bench him without the risk of him you know snapping his leg and fumbling and losing two points it depends on my situation like how
1: important are points to me right now or you know do i really just need a win uh i'll usually just
0: play the guy like yeah all right cool so i'm keeping my tight end tonight thank you for that um (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Uh, We'll be back with our, uh, again, if you, if you followed our picks, you are probably listening to this from a phone that we purchased, headphones (laughs) that we purchased for you, a speaker that we purchased. So you're welcome. Uh, Yeah. A house, even uh, depending on what kind of units you're using, but uh, tune in for our picks, uh, our red hot picks. Uh, And obviously we'll have our Jet Giants preview as, as we do uh, every week, mercifully. wait. Uh, yeah, can't wait for that, and and maybe we'll we'll have some uh, a tenor change on me and Matt heading to the game on Sunday. So, uh, as always, thank you for listening. Oh, I, I also believe we have Aaron Rodgers on Thursday. Yeah, yeah he's going to talk all about his uh, his darkness retreat and listen to the Dolphins and how that's helped him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, listen for Rodgers on uh, on Friday. Uh, thank you all for listening. Peace out.